according to the word that we just heard from Paul to the letter to the Corinthians, the message that we believe, the gospel, the cross of Christ is a foolish message to those who are perishing to the lost. In God's redemptive plan, it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. And let's be real. If you or I were to make a plan of redemption for humanity, it wouldn't look like this. It wouldn't sound like the words from the prophet Isaiah. It wouldn't sound like the narrative that we heard from the apostle John. Because it sounds like Jesus is going to defeat The prophet Isaiah says that he was despised and rejected. People hid their face from him. He didn't garner any respect from people. And this was supposed to be the long-awaited Messiah, the one who would rule on the throne of David forever. This defies human wisdom. When we think of great men and women, when we think of leaders, we think of people who command respect. We think of people who are celebrated, people who are widely accepted, not this weak and despised Jesus. How can he be the hope of the world? How can he be the long-awaited king? Paul says in verse 22, Christ was foolishness to the Jews. And we see Isaiah's prophecy being fulfilled in the narrative from John. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. And do you hear in their voice how much they hated him, how much they despised him? These are the chief religious rulers of the Jews. And what are they doing? They're aligning themselves with Caesar, with the Romans, whom they have loathed, with an ungodly heathen ruler. And they betray their Lord. That's how much they despised him. They did not acknowledge him as Lord. So hear how much they despised him, how much they rejected him. They did not want a weak Messiah. They wanted a strong ruler, someone who would command their respect, someone who would free them from Roman oppression, a political leader, not this weak man, Jesus Jesus was also a stumbling block to the Greeks. And the Greeks, we know, what did they prize? They prized human wisdom. They prized knowledge and achievement. And we here in America, we embrace those things as well. And if we were to come up with a wise plan of redemption involving a savior and a king, our victor would be a courageous warrior, a courageous warrior. And if for some reason he had to go down in battle, he would go down swinging. This would be someone that would command our respect. This would be someone that we would worship. This would be someone 
that we would adore. But instead, what we see is a man who is being flogged, spit upon, mocked, a purple robe put on him, a crown of thorns pressed into his head, mocking him as the supposed king of the Jews. Our victor would not be like what the prophet Isaiah had said. He would not be like a lamb to the slaughter, not opening his mouth and silent. Surely Isaiah's prophecy is being fulfilled when we hear this from John, Pilate saying, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. And in Luke's account, Herod is questioning him, and Jesus again, no answer. Jesus could have said to Pilate, where am I from? I'm from heaven. I'm the Lord of all creation. I'm the one who created everything. I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who gave you breath. In fact, the very breath that you breathe that puts out these words to me, I give to you. But Jesus does not do that. He's silent. He doesn't defend himself. You know, I don't know much about sheep, but I do know something about chickens. The last several years, my daughter has had chickens. And I've gotten a little bit of experience as an amateur chicken surgeon, believe it or not. One of Allie's chickens had this malady called bumblefoot. And what that is, is it's a growth in the pad of their feet. And when they walk around, it's very painful. And if it doesn't respond to medicine, the way to heal it is to cut it out. And so after much research, my cousin, myself, and Allie, we embarked on our very first chicken surgery. Yeah. And you know what we found? You know, chickens, our chickens in particular, uh, they're a noisy bunch of animals. Uh, in the morning, they're squawking away. Uh, let me out of my pen. And when one lays an egg, I mean, there's all sorts of commotion and squawking going on. But you know what we found? when we did this surgery, and keep in mind, this surgery is without any anesthetic. We're holding this chicken, and we're cutting into its foot, and the chicken is super, super calm. The chicken doesn't squawk or struggle. It doesn't let out a peep. Jesus did not defend himself. Jesus does not say a word. Think about this. If you and I were wrongly accused, especially if we knew that our punishment would be on the cruel cross, we could not help but cry out. We could not help but open our mouths and continue to defend ourselves, but that's not what we see from Jesus. This defies our wisdom. This defies our understanding. Crucifixion was a particularly cruel form of capital punishment, the ultimate display of shame and defeat. And here is foolishness, that our salvation would come at the hands of the cruel heathen Romans on their cruel instrument of torture and death. 
Jesus, crucified outside the city gate, left out in the open for all to see his shame. People gawking at him, staring at him, gloating over him. Not a sign of victory or vindication, only defeat. And on that Good Friday long ago, the wisdom of the world, both Jews and Greeks, conclude one thing. This was no savior. This was no king. This was no Messiah. So Good Friday, when we hear the words of the prophet and the apostle, we can't help but think it does sound like a foolish, foolish event. But to us, who are God's children, we call it good. And in fact, we celebrate it. We give thanks and we praise God for something very strange that the world looks at and says that's foolish. We celebrate the cruel death of Jesus on the cross. The defeat of a weak man because on that day human wisdom was shown to be nothing, nothing. And this is how the Apostle Paul comments. He said, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. You hear what Paul is saying. God is so wise that even in his foolishness, he's so much wiser than all the wisdom of men. And God is so mighty, he's so powerful that even in his weakness, he's so much stronger than the greatest of human strength. And on that day, Jesus did what we could not do for ourselves. This, the God-man, fully God, fully man, dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. Taking the full wrath of God, the full cup of his fury poured out against sin so that we could be forgiven. And when we look at the cross, we see shame and we see guilt, we should see our shame and our guilt because it's our sin that put him there. And we should see the depth of God's love for us. And in the world's eyes, Jesus stands defeated. But in the grand, grand, cosmic plan of God, the plan that he created before the foundation of the world, Jesus deals a fatal blow to the enemy, Satan. We hear this good news shortly after the fall from God. This good news, this gospel is proclaimed in Genesis chapter 3. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So here at the cross, Jesus accomplishes this, what was promised, that through Eve there would be an offspring that would one day crush the head of Satan. And he did that when he said, it is finished. 
And so Satan, he can no longer accuse us. Why? Because our sins, they're nailed to the cross. And our sins are washed and covered in the blood of the perfect Lamb of God. And so God's plan of redemption is completed that day. There's victory in death. There's power in weakness. The Apostle Paul, he had a malady, and I'm sure it was not Bumblefoot. But he asked the Lord three times to take it from him. And this is what is recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. And nowhere and at no other time is this more fulfilled than in the cross of Jesus Christ. Utter weakness on display. But God's power to perfection. God's power to perfection. The cross of Jesus Christ is the pinnacle, it's the apex of God's wisdom and God's power. Now, on the one hand, the world says this is foolish, this is weak, but God says, no, no, ultimate wisdom, ultimate power. And look how this comes together, foolishness and wisdom, that an innocent man would willingly go to his death without a struggle, without a fight, bearing on his heart the names of people for whom he would die. And what kind of people are these people? People like Rahab, the prostitute, and Jacob, the swindler, Samson, a lustful and violent man, King David, a murderer and an adulterer, a guy who would make our current politicians look like Boy Scouts. Peter, who would deny him three times, the thief on the cross. Paul, who advocated the killing of Christians. People like you and people like me. One would hardly die for a righteous man or a good man. Who in their right mind would die for such wretches? And therein is the wisdom and power of God. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Our Lord, he was made weak. Our Lord was made the fool. Why? So that we could be reconciled to God so that we could be healed, so that we could have peace and be restored in our relationship with him. And I urge you to accept what Jesus has done for you on that Good Friday long ago. He did what you could not do. He paid for your sin. And you can embrace him and trust in him by faith. And if you do, you will have peace. You will have eternal life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we marvel, 
we marvel at the cross. What wondrous love is this? We cannot fathom how much you love us, O God, that you gave your only son so that we could be restored, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have peace with you. And so we praise you on that day. We call it good. We call it good, Good Friday, because you accomplished your plan of redemption in your son. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.